the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Courageous Christianity, a public nonprofit ministry equipping Christian warriors for the spiritual battlefield. The intersection of our faith and the world is a battlefield strewn with debris of a fallen world that challenges even the hardiest souls. And yet, this intersection is the context of our faith. As courageous Christian warriors, we must navigate this difficult terrain in our personal walk and as we seek to bring Christ to those who are lost and struggling. As a colonel in the Marine Corps Reserves with numerous combat deployments, Richard Mendelow has walked dangerous ground in peacetime and in war. Join us as he and his guests shed light on this critical intersection on spiritual combat and on the rules of engagement for courageous Christianity. And here's your host, Richard Mendelow. Friends, welcome and thank you for joining us on Courageous Christianity. This is truly a solemn day. This is the day, the 20th anniversary, of the cowardly attacks on this nation by the forces of evil. On this day, 20 years ago, over 3,000 of our countrymen perished. And just recently, that same evil claimed the lives of 13 American sons and daughters in Afghanistan. 20 years after September 11, 2001, this nation is still under attack. It's under attack by internal and external forces, which serve evil. And for this reason, it's more important than ever that we resolve ourselves to the battle all around us today. Each day, we must commit ourselves in faith to speaking the gospel of Jesus Christ, to doing good, and to supporting one another on this spiritual and secular battlefield. And may God bless America. So friends, on this mournful day, and for very good reason, we are continuing in our series entitled Courageous Christians, Our hope with this series is to let the light of the gospel shine into each of our days through our amazing guests who are living courageous Christian lives. You've heard from people who come from many different backgrounds, places, and circumstances to love and serve Jesus. And their commonality is that they walk on the same battlefield as we all do. They're not perfect. They have been restored to God by faith in Jesus. They have responded to that restoration with gratitude And that gratitude has compelled them to action in his name and according to his teaching. And I know that's a mouthful, but it's important to understand that what is distinctive is that they don't make up their own rules. They don't lean on their own understanding. Their first action as a courageous Christian is to submit to Christ in faith. They understand the difficult context of our faith, and despite that difficulty, they strive Sometimes they fail, and sometimes they suffer, and still they shine. 
And joining us today to talk about his amazing journey in faith is Judge Wayne Mack, Justice of the Peace for Precinct 1, Justice Court 1 of Montgomery County, Texas. And I've known Judge Mack for some time, and if there is an engagement on this spiritual battlefield, he is in the fight. Whether feeding those displaced by hurricanes, attending to those involved in tragic accidents, preaching the word in local churches, or just taking time to love on his community, he's in the fight each day as a courageous Christian. Judge, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me today. Yes, sir. It's an honor. And friends, as always, I'm joined by and so grateful for Christy Stratton, my fantastic and fabulous wingman. Hello, everyone, and welcome, Judge. Glad you're here. Awesome. Thank you. Great to be here, Christy. Did you notice fantastic and fabulous? I I heard. I I got two words today. Excellent. I love it. (laughs) Friends, as you know, before we begin, I must remind you that as a colonel still serving in the Marine Corps Reserves, I have to preface my comments by saying that these are my personal views and they do not necessarily represent the Department of Defense or the Department of the Navy. Please pray with us. Heavenly Father, how amazing is your love that it finds us in the darkness of this world and leads us home to you. How amazing is your love that you would give your Son for a world of sinners that those who seek you would find you. And how amazing is your love that we have the opportunity to serve you each day. That you would make use of our imperfection to create perfection. That you would use love to overcome hate. That you would use humility to overcome pride and ambition. Only in your amazing love could all this be possible. And Father, on this solemn day, we ask for your blessings on this nation and all who serve her. Bless those who have lost and those who care for the wounded. Bless those who struggle and those who lend comfort. Bless us all, Father, with your grace and mercy. And we humbly ask you, Lord, to bless this conversation, that all who hear may be resolved to stand firm. May the words you speak today through us remind us of your great love. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Judge, welcome. Thank you very much. I'm honored to be here. Thank you, sir. We've had a fantastic uh, about six weeks talking to people from all over the place about their journey in Christ. And uh, we've asked them what is courageous Christianity and all kinds of things. And honestly, uh, what has been said is truly illuminating, insightful. We've had courageous Christianity defined as trust in vulnerability. And we're looking forward to this very much, but slightly off topic and only because Christy and I are so excited about it. Your prayer breakfast. Yeah, I can't wait. September 23rd. (laughs) Yeah, we're so excited. This is, we're four weeks out or for for however winter. And this is your fifth one. Yeah. And um, it's actually our seventh. Yeah. And uh, and, um, looks like we're going to be sold out. Oh my gosh. That's great. Thank you, God. Excited. We have David A.R. White, who is the producer of the God's Not Dead movies. Yeah. And um, also uh, one of the founders of Pure Flix. He's going to be our keynote speaker. And uh, I'm telling people that when heaven kisses earth, the smack is going to happen right there in Conroe, Texas at the Lone Star Convention Center. Very excited what God is doing. And and, and more, I mean, it's a prayer breakfast, and we are actually going to pray. Um, and it's it's um, it's very exciting that uh, the, the entire faith community, we're, we'll have every ism there that you can imagine um, 
being a part of this prayer breakfast and as it's grown every year for seven years. Wow. That's fantastic. I'm uh, happy that we got our tickets already. I know. And I talked to <laughs> Pastor Steve and awesome. uh, I guess they have a table and there'll be lots of people Pastor there. Pastor Steve so, of the Light Community. Yes, I should say that. Pastor Steve <laughs> Dennis uh, of the Light Community Fellowship in Willis. And that is a ministry with Pastor Ron and Ava. And uh, this nation needs prayer. Absolutely. And we need the truth uh, of God because it all starts there. And uh, as I was reading your bio, you're going to have to help me with this because did you start first as a custodian or a sheriff? Or No, I actually started out as a custodian with Montgomery County in 1986. I, I tell people my memoir is going to be from janitor to judge and all the crap I cleaned up in between. So, <laughs> <laughs> And then you ended up in law enforcement as well. I did, yeah. My midlife crisis was about 35. I went to the sheriff, to the uh, police academy and um, and I um, be, uh, got was commissioned and I uh, was the deputy constable and rose through the ranks there to become a captain and then went to the Conroe Police Department. They wanted to revive their reserve program and so I went there and I was there for 10 years. I was the reserve unit uh, commander and sergeant over their uh, reserve division. And I have 15 years of law enforcement. So I'm an old Marine. And as I read your bio, what stood out to me is hard work. Uh, what stood out to me was diligent hard work and often work that other people didn't want to do. And we know uh, the Bible tells us to do everything as if unto the Lord. And so as I looked at that, I thought this is a man who truly did and does everything as if unto the Lord. And it made me wonder where exactly your Christian journey began. So I was um, raised in, in Wisconsin and my family were devout Wesleyan Methodists. And so as a young child, I had a drug problem. Um, like many people, I was. That's funny. I, we've heard that before. I was, yeah. I was drugged to church every time the doors were open. God bless and your that's, mother. And that's where it started. But it, for me personally, uh, in the fifth grade, I went forward at a Lowell Lundstrom crusade, and that's where I asked Jesus into my heart and and recognize um, that he um, that uh, I could do all the good things. I could be go to church. I could do all kinds of things. But having that personal relationship. Is where um, is where it all began, um, and in the fifth grade, and uh, and so it uh, uh, that's that's where it, the journey actually got real for me. That's an amazing thing. Uh, who was it? David Savage said that he had a drug problem, <laughs> and uh, God bless him. I think his. I've never heard that before until now. Now I've heard it twice, and I love it because <laughs> what you clarify, see, yeah. A drug problem, drug to church. Drug to church. Right. And what you see in that is that faith and values and family are so closely tied. And so it makes no, well, I'm saying that backwards. It doesn't come as a shock that the first thing the devil attacks is faith and values and family, because that's where it all starts. So um, you only have to look at the news to see how the family unit has been attacked. You only have to see commercials on TV to see how that attack is ongoing and pervasive. And it's because of stories like yours, where if you imagine uh, the pebble that God has thrown into the pond of your life and the far-reaching ripples, 
and they began with your drug problem is just an amazing thing. Um, what and, it was, been, and it was my grandmother that did that. Your grandmother. My parents, uh, they were what we call CNA, C&E Christians. They went to church Christmas and Easter. <laughs> my mom, she would on again, off again go. I mean, she was in Sunday school, but the, the every Sunday, every time the church was open, it was my grandmother that instilled that in me. And we lived next door to them on our on their dairy farm, and uh, Grandma, we we went to church, and and I think what you said it speaks to where we're at as a community and, and everything we live right now. Um, you know, uh, by, Paul told Timothy, he warned him. He says, you know, don't forsake the assembling yourselves together as they're going to do in the last days. Amen. Uh, interesting. We have our grandparents stored in assisted living. We have our uh, goods stored in storage units, and we're struggling, and the truth is that the devil is good at his job. And a lot of people want secular answers to these secular problems, and I get a lot of texts every day uh, from people asking me what the answer is, and they don't necessarily love my answer because I always say the answer is to look at the world through the lens of God as opposed to looking at God through the lens of the world. That's what's got us in this mess, and that's what uh, conspires to keep us trapped. And we're going to talk with Judge Wayne Mack when we come back from this break, friends. Stay with us. Hello, everyone. This is Christy Stratton. As you may know, I'm host Richard Mendelow's wingman. You might wonder what a wingman is. Here on Courageous Christianity, it means I'm here to support the host of the show in our efforts to accomplish our mission. That mission is to equip Christian warriors for the spiritual battlefield. And we need your help to do that. Your tax-deductible support is what keeps us on the air and sustains our ongoing efforts. Courageous Christianity is a public nonprofit ministry. If you'd like to support our mission in this ministry, you can do so by texting any amount to 281-800-4940. That's 281-800-4940. And for a donation of $25 or more, we will send you a signed copy of Richard's book, Right Makes Might, 40 Days to Courageous Christianity. You will absolutely love this devotional, and it will help you to become more equipped in your walk as a courageous Christian. If texting isn't a fit for you, you can also donate by going to CourageousChristianity.today. So text to donate to 281-800-4940 or go to CourageousChristianity.today. Friends, thank you. We are so very grateful for your listenership and for your support. Friends, you're listening to Courageous Christianity with Richard Mendelow, and that's me, and we're talking to Judge Wayne Mack. And he is telling us some interesting things about his journey in Christ. And he started saying all kinds of great things at the break, and I had to ask him to stop and save it because he said something that we have heard from several of our guests, that being, though he accepted Jesus early in the fifth grade, he wasn't necessarily living for him. And uh, Pastor Jeff Neal from the Harlingen uh, Logos Church said the same thing, that he accepted Jesus as a young second lieutenant in the Marine Corps, but he wasn't living for him. And I think that speaks to the fact that many of us like the Savior part, but we don't so much like the Lord part. And he is Lord and Savior, and a Lord is served 
within the rules of the Lord, within the context of uh, the Lord's kingdom. And so I'd like to ask you more about that when you actually went from accepting Jesus as Savior to the realization that, wow, this has to change how I live my life. Yeah, so... I, I like I said I in the fifth grade I went forward at a crusade and and um, and you know experienced the joy of forgiveness of my sins and but that journey I found myself over and over again because I wasn't necessarily living for him in that I was going to church but I wasn't about the father's business you may think well in the fifth grade how much can you do well a lot and <laughs> and uh, pray and get in the word and so as i i found myself um richard i found myself um every time they would go to church and they'd give an invitation i felt the need to go forward and so i would go forward every time they would give an invitation and finally my pastor pulled me to the side one day and said why do you keep doing that and i'm like well i feel like <laughs> there's more i don't i don't feel complete i feel like i'm missing something and that's when he and I had a very frank conversation about knowing Jesus as Savior and then knowing him as Lord. And um, at 14, I went to a Wesleyan um, church camp. And at that church camp, um, there was a missionary there speaking, and he he brought forth the scripture, and he talked about where where Jesus command, asked his disciples to feed his sheep. And I went forward that time, and I realized that what what I was missing is as I would I had the knowledge of who Jesus was, and what He had done, but I didn't understand the surrender of that. And at that at that camp, I told the Lord, "Whatever you have for me, whatever gift you have for me, whatever experience you want for me, I want everything. I, I don't want to be a spectator. I want I want to be about your business." And that's where I answered the call um, to uh, do more than just be a spectator, to be more than just show up for church. You touch on something that I've mentioned several times. And so, friends, understand, please, in all humility, I come to Christianity as a Jew. And so there is a certain objectivity that I have. And I think that's one of God's plans with my message One of the observations I have is as the church has struggled more and more to put on a spectacle on Sunday to draw in Christians so as to fund these large churches and so forth, it has turned Christians into spectators. Uh, It's true of a car crash. It's true of church on Sunday. If you put on a spectacle, you'll create a spectator. And so I'm totally understanding what you're saying. And uh, it's an amazingly empowering thing, and it's strange in such an empowering thing that it should begin with submission. Amen. So we submit to Jesus, we submit to his rules, we stop saying, I'm going to do it my way. And I think that's hard for a lot of people. And as with most things, the world tells us the opposite. It says, you got to be in charge and you got to be in control. And so you see people putting on all kinds of acts to try and retain a sense of control, as opposed to the joy when you forfeit that sense, because it's just a sense, you're not in control, and you give it over to God, and then he does these amazing things with us. And if you remember in our prayer to open the show, I said he uses our imperfection with such perfection. I mean, who could imagine that? Here the Jews are waiting for a conquering king, and God says, no, 
I'm going to do this with love. We've tried the whole king thing a zillion times. It hasn't worked. There's Genghis Khan, Napoleon. Let's do this. Just amazing to me. Yeah. Amen. And it just, it, you, I love what you said about what we're doing in modern Christianity. Um, you know, you read the actions of the apostles and you read Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 19. What are all those things about being spirit-filled mm-hmm. and being about his business? Uh, Acts chapter 19, he come across certain disciples and, they, and he said, how are you baptized? He said, well, we are baptized unto repentance. He said, well, that's, that was John's baptism. And, and he says, you know, have you received his spirit since you believed? You know, we, 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 a lot of times we preach forgiveness, but we need to preach repentance. We need to preach asking Lord into our life, but we, we need to ask him to fill our, our life to overflowing with his spirit. He said, in last day, saith God, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Yeah. Okay. So two things that we've identified in our courageous Christians. Step one was submission. And step two is genuine repentance, standing in the glare of the truth with courage. And if you remember last week, I talked about St. Philaret, who is known as the John Chrysostom of Russia. And he gave a beautiful sermon on repentance. And then I said that one of the first words of Jesus' ministry was repent. And so not only do we have to submit uh, and surrender to Jesus as our Lord, but we have to surrender our delusions. We've got to surrender our sins. We've got to quit pretending and we've got to get real and we've got to stand in the glare of that truth because that's the beginning of the amazing journey that leads us to be a janitor and then end up as a judge. I mean, praise God. Our God is awesome, is he not? Amen. I think what people don't understand is they hear those words submission and repentance with secular ears. And if they can, and I, I think I've said it on the show before, if we could only help them understand that in that submission and in that repentance, there is true freedom and you then do receive the Holy Spirit and that joy. But that would be my want, is to help them understand that submission and repentance is not a bad thing. Amen. Did Jesus not say, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. So what does that mean? What it means is, quit thinking that you have 3,000 important decisions to make today. You just have one. You're going to take my yoke upon you. Amen. And Amen. then you're going to do all of the things thereunto pertaining, which are et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Such amazing freedom in that. So I, I had a youth pastor tell me one time that it's hard to live for God easy, but it's easy to live for God hard. Yeah. You know, I look at all the perversities in our world to include the idea that Christianity should be comfortable. Exactly. If they persecuted our savior and we're living a good life, which means we look just like our savior to them, will they not persecute us? Exactly. All of, all of the apostles died martyrs death except for john right um so if you look at that and what they preach and what they taught does that mean that they were wrong no it means they were right they were courageous they were convinced that god is god and lord and lord and king of kings of every circumstance in every situation not just the good things and the little happy things but every trial every struggle everything your listeners are going through right now god is not only with them but he's for them 
Amen. And yeah, two things come to mind as you say that. The old uh, saying which says, if the devil's not bothering you, you're not bothering the devil. <laughs> and the other which I sensed as you were saying that is, I can't imagine what you look down on from the bench, not in a condescending way, but in a compassionate observation of humanity and how difficult uh, some of those uh, plays that are acted out before you must be for your heart. It's really difficult to watch the brokenness and and to see families um, that have children that are they're the, the children are failing, but they're not failing forward. They're not they 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 don't realize that they're that that the reason they're before me is is not their destiny. Uh, that is just a way of life checking them and saying, "Hey, you can't keep going on this course." And that's what I love about justice courts is we're on the front line. We're the highest volume courts in Texas. We see more Texans than any other part of the judicial branch. Ninety percent of Texans that interact with the judicial branch of government happen in a justice or municipal court, so we're able to redirect behavior. In addition, our county, as you know, Richard, in addition to my judicial responsibilities, I'm also the coroner. I've been on two suicides um, in the last couple weeks where men have killed themselves in front of their families. Um, And so I see the brokenness and what hopelessness looks like, and I see the things, the fallen nature of man and what can happen when you you just totally walk away from um, God's plan, his purpose, his power, his peace. Uh, what the devil will do with that. And you know, the devil has no power of his own. He only had, the only thing he has is what we surrender to him. And he uses two things, discouragement. And, and he also uses um, the fact that he tries to use your past and he tries to discourage us and tries to distract us. And that's what you see. All the evil that's going on today is meant to be a distraction. Uh, the greatest song that fear ever wrote is what if. And there's a lot of people living with what if today, a lot of Christians living with what if, what if this, what if that, not understanding that to be courageous and in, in, in God's purpose, his power and plan is to understand that he is the king of kings and Lord of lords no matter what. And if we give it to him, uh, as you're speaking, uh, there's a French poet named Rousseau who said man is born free yet is everywhere in chains. And necessarily, if we're born free and then we end up in chains, it must be because we enchain ourselves. And if you ask why somebody would walk willingly into prison, it's because the devil's good at his job. And the other day, I was giving somebody my uh, cell phone information, and I wrote cell and then the number next to it. And I thought to myself, this cell phone is a little prison cell for me. And I just gave them my prison number. And it reminded me of when I was at uh, POW school in the Marine Corps, survival, evasion, resistance, and escape school. And they gave you a number. And that number was how they got a hold of you. And so, friends, we are talking with Judge Wayne Mack about this complex world, about the joy of loving Jesus and the freedom we obtain in surrender to him. And by the way, that is where we find the good that we can do. And Judge Wayne Mack does a lot of good. Stay with us. There's a cat outside my window. There's a train two miles away. And I'm feeling... They fought for our freedom and made sacrifices most of us can't imagine. And now, our veterans need your help. Hi, friends. I'm Christy Stratton, Richard Mendelow's wingman here on Courageous Christianity. You've possibly heard us talking about Freedom Alliance on the show. It's an organization near and dear to our hearts. 
Freedom Alliance is healing the wounds of war, including the devastating emotional injuries that cause veterans to reject God's love. Freedom Alliance is saving lives in military marriages. They rehabilitate wounded heroes, donate customized wheelchairs to amputees, and provide college scholarships to the sons and daughters of military heroes. I hope you'll join us in supporting our combat veterans by donating to Freedom Alliance today. I urge you to visit freedomalliance.org to learn more about their mission. We at Courageous Christianity know the team at Freedom Alliance, and we've seen them do the Lord's work. They are committed to helping ordinary Americans who've done extraordinary things. Please go to freedomalliance.org to make a contribution that will change a hero's life. Friends, for almost 18 months, Christy Stratton has been my wingman on Courageous Christianity. To our message of courageous faith, she adds her invaluable perspective as a transformational coach. She's the walking embodiment of courage and compassion, and she brings us to bear on those going through divorce in her own show, The Divorce Coaching Hour, which airs Saturdays from 1 to 2 p.m. right here on 100.7 KKHT, The Word. For those who are struggling in their marriages, she brings hope with guests who speak to the myriad counseling options available. For those who are going through divorce, she offers invaluable technical and behavioral assistance. And for those who are coming out of divorce, she delivers a unique perspective on the opportunity for growth and change. If you are, or a friend or family member is, struggling in a marriage, contemplating or going through divorce, you need a wingman. You will want to tune in each Saturday to hear from Christy and her guests. One thing is for sure, as I have learned over the last 72 shows on Courageous Christianity, you can count on Christy for truth, for a faith-based perspective, for compassion, and for insightful guidance. Tune in each Saturday. She'll be there for you as well. Don't miss the Divorce Coaching Hour with Christy Stratton every Saturday at 1 p.m. on 100.7 FM, KKHT, The Word. What a friend we have in Jesus. You're back with Courageous Christianity, and we're talking to Judge Wayne Mack. And I know you know that voice, Judge. Do you remember Chad Strader? Yeah. Beautiful from, uh, we all met him at the Lone Star Cowboy Church in Montgomery with Pastor Randy Weaver. And before we went to break, Judge Mack said something fantastic. He said the greatest song the devil ever wrote was, What If? And what came to my mind was the story of the Good Samaritan, where the rabbi is passing the, rob, uh, the, the Samaritan who's been beaten and left for dead on the side of the road, and he crosses to the other side of the road, and he says, if I stop, what would happen to me? And what I heard there is, what if I stop, what would happen to me? And then um, Pharisee came by, and he crossed to the opposite side of the road as well, and he said, what if I stop, what would happen to me? And the Good Samaritan came along, and he said, what if I don't stop? Mm. So all the things the devil tells us about what might uh, happen if we do these things, if we submit, if we give ourselves, and the question implicitly posed is, what if we don't do those things? And what I would say is, look around. It's not working. What we're doing isn't working. So let's do something different. 
And that begs the question, what? And that says, let's do what God says. And so I'm looking at a book written by Judge Mack called The Directed Path, Using God's Compass. And Judge, does this help us with the question uh, when we decide what should we do? And is this a good place to start? It is. It's just a kind of a, some of the, it's not really a biography of any mean, but um, it's a, it talks about the, you know, we're all on a directed path. It's talking about, uh, I use the scripture from Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. And I, I feel like I'm on a directed path from that moment I walked forward at the Lowell Lundstrom Crusade to where I'm at today and all the things that I have been through from, uh, you know, childhood disease, uh, walking through the valley of the shadow of divorce, being told 13 years ago that I have a terminal diagnosis of cancer, that I would never be in remission, that I would never be cured, and looking at that doctor and saying, you know, Doc, I'm going to do everything you tell me to do, but until I hear from Dr. Jesus, I, I'm going to get a second opinion on this, and, and I'm going <laughs> to beat this. And he said, you know, keep that attitude, because there's people that come in here with less cancer, and they give up and die. And I said, well, that's not that. I'm not that guy. Yeah, that's uh, an amazing thing. Where would somebody find your book? So you can get that, you can get that on Amazon or go to the directedpath.com, um, and, um, and it, it's available um, on all those those. Ways all those ways, things. all and those many things. ways. Yeah. <laughs> and when we lean not on our own understanding, a couple uh, of weeks ago I was flying after the hurricane uh, that most recently went through uh, Louisiana. I was flying from Miami back to Houston. It was the last day of a four-day trip, and there was this big line of significant thunderstorms. And uh, we took off, and I prayed to God, Lord, uh, part these clouds, part these storms, help us find a way. And in the absence of that help, we were going to go all the way around to the north, which was going to be quite far, and passengers were going to be late for their connections. And air traffic control comes up, and they say, uh, so-and-so, if you take a turn right now, uh, there's a big hole right there, and we can get you through that hole, and you'll be on your way to Houston. <laughs> and sure enough, took a left turn, did what they said. God made a way. Thank and you, God. We were Amen. just a couple minutes late, but I really believe on that. Lean not on your own understanding, but submit to him in every way. And so as people listen and they are involved in these difficult dramas that uh, embrace us all, we all get uh, wrapped up. And um, it's easy to lose hope when the world seems so dark. And on September 11th, as we as we Think about the state of Afghanistan and the Middle East and Israel and so forth. What would you say to those everyday people who are used to looking at the world through the world's eyes? Yeah. What would you say to them? Well, um, first thing I would say is what, what, um, is what God told Joshua. He said, don't be afraid. Mm. Don't be discouraged. Don't be dismayed because I'm with you. And and that's where, as believers, we get distracted many times, is we have the situation, we have the circumstance, we have the divorce, the job loss, the death, the unexpected uh, turn that comes, that unexpected storm. You know, sometimes we look at storms, and I saw somebody shared a while back that not all storms are meant to destroy, but sometimes storms clear the path. A lot of what we go through it has to do with us recognizing that God is with us. 
and he will guide us. And he does, he does, he's not surprised. He's not, he wasn't surprised by September 11th. He wasn't surprised by the things in Afghanistan. Um, uh, he is, he's God and he is in control. And, you know, we can't allow the enemy to discourage us and distract us. We have to understand that we live, that we're preparing for forever. We're not just preparing for, for uh, what, you know, our 401k, our career, our kids going to college. We're preparing for forever. So sometimes I think what happens is we aren't sure where we end and where God begins. Have you ever thought of that? So uh, there's a lot of Christians who say, I'm going to let God sort this out. Well, he's not in the I'm going to sort this out business. He's in the you are uh, my hands and feet, and we're going to sort this out together because like the parent who fixes all the child's problems, all he does is create a spoiled child. How do you reconcile the idea that I have to keep working, I have to keep doing what the Lord tells me to do, and it is in this way, combined with other believers on the spiritual battlefield, that God will have his way? But if you just sit back with your hands folded as a spectator, nothing's going to happen. Amen. What do you think about that? How do we get there? <sighs> the same way the Apostle Paul did. Um, and, you know, he wrote to the, the church at Rome, and he says, For I have considered the sufferings of this present life not to be compared with the glory which will be revealed to us. And that, you know, we have an earnest expectation that in creation eager waits revealing that we are the sons of God. And he goes on to say uh, 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 one of the scriptures that many people quote, that all things work together for good to those who love God. didn't say all things are good. Right. It says all things work together for good to them who are called according to his purpose. And he goes on to even he goes even on to say that uh, yet in all things were more than conquerors through through him. And but this is this is my favorite part of Romans chapter eight. And we look at Afghanistan. We look at remembering this terrible time in our history 20 years ago when fear and evil was meant to strike at the very heart of our nation. And that's what the intent of, of bringing the, the towers down and, 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 and attacking us in our, in our, in our, right in our home and going after the Pentagon. And even some believed that they were going to go to the White House. What, what, was, what was intended for, to be fear, and, and Paul said this, Yet in all things were more than conquerors, for I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor thing present, nor things to come, um, nor height, nor depth, or any created thing, any evil that man, the fallen nature, anything the devil can conjure, any distraction or discouragement he come. And he says, I am persuaded that none of these things will shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Richard, we've got to get back to faith, family, and freedom. We've got to get back to our our houses being houses of prayer, not a light show, not a concert, uh, and and we gotta we gotta we're the church everywhere we go, not just in a building. You know, many many families are struggling. Not one family that I've come to, and, and I started preaching when I was fifteen years old, and I wow. have and I have been in. I've seen. I've dealt with every situation from suicide to pedophile to every broken thing. I've seen. I've had capital murder people in front of me and read their rights to them. I've seen every depraved thing. I've seen death in every form or fashion. And all these things, we know 
that God is control, and it doesn't matter how evil or how distracted the things come, God is in control. Amen. doesn't always take control, but he is in control. And we as believers, we've got to get back to being the priests of our home. He said, if, 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 and Joshua just said, as for me and my house, I don't care who's in the White House. I don't care what crazy bill comes out of legislation. If they pack the Supreme Court, God is still God. What I care about is who's in my house. Who's in my house? Is Jesus the Lord of my life or he isn't? Uh Amen. That's Amen. absolutely perfect. And I've said this before on the show, there's a poem called What I Live For by George Banks. And the last stanza of this poem, I think, is fantastic. It says, I live for those who love me, whose hearts are kind and true, for the heaven that smiles above me and awaits my spirit too, for the wrong that needs resistance, for the cause that lacks assistance, for the future in the distance and the good that I can do. So, friends, the devil is trying to get between you and the good that you can do. You're fearfully and wonderfully made, and you are made by the creator of the universe. And we have an amazing opportunity each day to submit ourselves to Jesus in the truth of his word, not in something we make up, but in the truth of his word. And then we go forth on the spiritual battlefield and we do good things. And if we see a cause that lacks assistance, Get in that fight. And if you see a wrong that needs resistance, resist that. Jesus Christ was a warrior. He was God's lamb, but he also said, do not suppose that I come to bring peace. I do not come to bring peace, but a sword. So at the intersection of our faith and the secular world, Christians are backpedaling. We have allowed the enemy to say, your right to be you doesn't matter What matters is my right to be me, and by the way, it's become an abomination. So friends, The Directed Path is a wonderful book by Judge Wayne Mack and is a great starting place, along with the Bible, for anybody who's looking for answers for navigation. And you can find that at thedirectedpath.com or on Amazon Kindle. And we're going to talk about that in the final segment as Judge Mack gives us some of his final thoughts. Stay with us. Friends, it's Richard, the host of Courageous Christianity. In addition to donations, sponsorships also help to keep us on the air and sustain our ongoing efforts. We'd love for you to join us in this mission. If you own a Christian business or an entrepreneur, or it's on your heart to support our efforts, Sponsorship opportunities are available. You'll have the chance to have your message heard during each show and much more. If you want to join us in our mission to equip Christian warriors for the spiritual battlefield and support us with your sponsorship, contact us at 281-656-1833 or email us at CourageousChristianity at gmail.com. Contact us today to apply as there are some requirements. So give us a call at 281-656-1833 or email us at CourageousChristianity at gmail.com. We're grateful for your listenership and for your support. I counted the streetlights as we headed up to the chapel to pay our last respects. Someday Friends, you're listening to Courageous Christianity and we're talking with Judge Wayne Mack from Montgomery, Texas, and the judge has told us some amazing things about his personal journey. 
and about the way that journey affects the way he looks at the world. And he said a couple things that I'd like to revisit. He said, we're not alone. He quoted Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, when he said, do not be frightened, do not be discouraged, do not be afraid, for the Lord your God goes with you wherever you go. And so that means he's with us all the time. And then we know that Jesus said, where two or more are gathered in my name, there am I. So our unity, which comes from uh, our repentance and our ability to be accountable to Jesus in his word and accountable to each other, and we achieve that unity. And uh, what we would say in the Marine Corps is that's combat power. And so as we think about September 11th, we think about the fact that the effort that was made to destroy this country unified this country. And not only are we struggling with division right now, but we're struggling with what is true. And so what we know is unity only exists in the truth of Christ. Anything else is pretend. It's fake. And so, Judge, as we uh, work our way toward the end of the show... Thinking back on September 11th, uh, unity, the truth of the Bible, courageous Christianity, uh, we'd just like you to share your heart with us on some of these events and what they mean to us. So I was on a plane 10 days after September 11th and flying to an international uh, meeting, and and for the first time in my life, we, we saw machine guns in airports. Um, we were had to go through all these these things and there was all kinds of fear in the room and i was actually uh, overheard a conversation while on the plane uh, somebody say um that uh, where was god if there's a god where was he on september 11th and and I, I i pondered that over the years and and god no matter september 11th no matter afghanistan no matter covid or any other thing god is exactly where he always is he's in control of everything uh, that happens in our universe, and you, and then why then would a, a God that loves allow things like this to happen? The more difficult question is: we must remember that the heavens are higher than the earth, and He says in in Isaiah fifty five nine, "So were my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts." And it's it's impossible for finite men, humans, to understand the ways of God's infinite ways. Uh, Romans eleven thirty three thirty five 35 talks about this. But second, we must realize that God is not responsible for the wicked acts of men. Of people. The Bible tells us that humanity is desperately wicked and sinful. It talks about this in Romans. And God allows human beings to commit sin for his own reasons, to fulfill his own purpose. Sometimes we think we must understand why God is doing something, only to find out later that that was its different um than what we originally thought it was going to be. What was meant to strike fear and destroy us and disrupt our economy uh, in September 11th, all it did was unite us. So often. It's and churches opposite. were filled. Do you remember that Sunday yes. after September 11th? Churches yes. were filled. Um, but it goes back to what I said. It's not about being in a building, but in our hearts, in our families, in our homes. What What is different 20 years later? Um, you, the difference is, is, is 
we have we have allowed her again once again to be distracted and in being distracted we're discouraged i mean how with all the chaos that's going on today the political spectrum and the, the pandemic and should we stay open should we stay closed should we wear a mask should we not wear a mask all these things and we need we need we forget about the thousands of miracles that happened on on September 11th the people that were saved the the the, the hundreds of thousands of people that were saved by the the acts of of first responders the thousands of lives that were saved by people being courageous and you know and makes, running towards the buildings collapsing not running from it running towards the fire and what makes it so easy to forget those amazing things is that we don't talk about them right we don't tell our stories we don't speak our testimony because we're afraid of offending the world and what i would say in response to that is there's more gray than ever and people need black and white Amen. Racism doesn't cure racism. Boys are boys. Girls are girls. And we have an opportunity to speak truth. And in the absence of us taking advantage of that opportunity, it's just going to get worse. Absolutely. And so if that's the way you feel, then at least go down swinging and just say, as for me and my house, we oh, will choose yes. the Lord. Yes. Amen. As for me and my house. That's what we've got to get back to, being the spiritual leaders of our households and waiting for somebody else to do it for us. Yeah, but you realize the accountability of that people shy away from. So all the different texts I get, which ask, what about this? And what should I do about this? And and what about these people? And what about these groups? Well, here's the answer. The answer is the only behavior you can control is your own. When you wake up tomorrow morning, you have to take responsibility for you and what you do. And if you're a father, you have to take responsibility for your house and what your house does. And so you can't step away from that accountability. It would be nice if the government fixed everything, but we know governments of men don't fix anything. (laughs) They create problems because that's what keeps them in business. Exactly. Government does two things well, nothing and overreact. Right. Scramble the overreaction team. Here we are. Okay. (laughs) So Christy's trying to tell me something over there. What were you saying? I want to find out about what Judge Mack thinks uh, courageous Christianity is. Please. So courageous Christianity is this, in my view, is the difference between an ordinary life and an extraordinary life. The difference between being an ordinary Christian and an extraordinary Christian. The difference between being an ordinary husband, ordinary wife, extraordinary husband, extraordinary wife. And an ordinary employee, an extraordinary employee is four words. And those four words are, a little bit more. If every part of our life, if we would just do a little bit more, if we would get back, what did Jesus tell when the when the when they came to him and, and the, the lawyers came to Jesus and said, Rabbi, tell us what the greatest commandment is, knowing that there are over six hundred commandments, trying to mess him up and slip him up and get him on a technicality because that's what religion mm, does. Right trying to get you on a technicality. And he looked at them and he said, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, with all thy soul and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And he said, and of this, this fulfills all the laws of the prophet. All this stuff. Everything. And so for me, being courageous is being willing to do a little bit more. Always being able to go that next step, loving our neighbor as ourself. And like Joshua talked about, God told Joshua, here's a guy, they, they, were, they were in bondage for 400 years, I mean, for uh, in Egypt, and Joshua was the only one that went, come back and said, oh, we got the land, let's go. 
Right. He, had, he had that favor on him. He, he, he had that boldness because God told him not to be discouraged, told him to, to, that wherever he goes that he was going to be with him, and that no matter what, no matter what was going to happen, didn't matter, God was with him. And that's, the, that's being courageous is recognizing that I don't have to be strong in myself. I don't have to be, I don't have to fast until my belly button falls off to be spiritual. <laughs> Amen. Friends, that's the truth. You heard it here with Judge Wayne Mack, and he went from being a janitor to being a judge. So when he tells you do a little bit more, he knows what he's talking about. He's walked in those shoes and it works. And that's the truth. And as you know, in every show, we have a moment of truth where we look at scripture, which informs our discussion. And we do this to remind ourselves that God's word is our first refuge, that it's always relevant and that it never fails. And most importantly, we do it to make sure that we're not off on some tangent creating the book, according to Richard Mendelow, which doesn't exist for very good reason. And our moment of truth today comes from Galatians chapter six, verse nine, which says this. Therefore, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So when things seem dark and when things seem unfriendly, don't give up. You may think at some times that faith is pointless. I heard a man say recently that he liked his boss, except his boss mixed politics with faith. And I felt so sad for that man. He talked about the importance of sending his kids to Catholic school and at the same time, He thinks that faith and politics are separate, and this is tragic. Our faith should shape everything about us 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. If not that, then what? Our faith is not what we do for an hour on Sunday. Our faith will change this world. More than ever before, this is a time for Christians. So please hear me when I plead, do not become weary of doing good. And our quote of the day says this brilliantly, and I'm glad it's from John Wesley, since the judge was a Wesleyan. And John Wesley said in 1873, Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. And that's courageous Christianity. So, Judge... Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for your hard work. Thank you for your uh, diligence on the bench and in the community. And we will look forward to seeing you again at the prayer breakfast. Thank you very much. And I appreciate it. And to God be the glory. Amen. To God be the glory. Friends, thank you so much for joining Christy and me. We hope you have heard from the judge the heart of commitment, that we all have the opportunity to stand in the truth and do a little more each day as fathers, as workers, as husbands and wives and children, regardless of your age. He was a fifth grader thinking about what he could do and deciding that he wanted to do a little more. And now he has a book and about to be another one from janitor to judge. So it's a wonderful story. Thank you, judge, for being here. And friends, we hope you'll join us each and every week here on 100.7 KKHT, the word at kkht.com, or on courageouschristianity.today, where you can listen to previous episodes by podcasts. And if you want to go back and listen to the Courageous Christian series, I think you'll hear some very important commonalities. 
They stand in the truth, they repent, they give it to Jesus, and they ask each day, what good can I do? We are honored to walk with you in Christ. God bless and Semper Fi. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.